Since then, we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade others. What we are is plain to God, and I hope it is also plain to your conscience. We are not trying to commend ourselves to you again, but are giving you an opportunity to take pride in us so that you can answer those who take pride in what is seen rather than what is in the heart. If we are out of our mind, as some say, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for Wayne. And we thank you, Lord, for the word that you have given to him in this week as he has prepared. And we just pray for him now, Lord, that you would speak through him into each one of our hearts and lives. We pray that you would uh, transform us and change us, Lord, as we hear your word, that we would be um, responsive and receptive to that. In your name. Amen. Okay. Thanks, Keith. Keith, introduce me. Wayne, one of the elders here. Uh, we're going through our mission and ministry statements, and one today is telling the gospel. Before I go into that, I actually just sat there listening to Emma lead us through prayers. We don't always rejoice when God answers our prayers. So last week I asked you to pray for cross-teach, uh, our need for a new worker and for some finances to make that possible. So thank you if you prayed, because God answered. Uh, we've had one applicant. It may turn out not to be suitable, but we've had an applicant, so that's good news. Uh, but on the closing date, I've met with someone who's unexpectedly received some money and pledged the £10,000 we need to make the appointment. So God is good. God answers our prayers. Um, so if you want those who prayed for cross-teaching for that need, thank you very much. And let's say thank you to God next time you're praying. Do uh, anything? Yeah, just thank him for answering our prayers. Question for you. What do these people have in common? You might not recognise all of them. What do they have in common? Any suggestions? That isn't the one I'm looking for. Give you a clue. If you were paying attention to the passage that was read. <laughs> They're all ambassadors of one sort or another. So Gareth Southgate, Prince's Trust Ambassador. Simon Smith is a uh, Her Majesty's Ambassador to Republic of Korea. Some young ambassadors for RE. And Nicole Scherzinger, Special Olympics. They're all ambassadors. But what is an ambassador? 
Any ideas? Anyone want to offer? What is an ambassador? Well, imagine uh, the elders, we decide we need some ambassadors for Kenworth Community Church, and we say to you, you're just the person we need to be an ambassador. What do you think we are going to expect you to be doing? What do you think we'd expect you to be doing? Representing. So representing is part of being an ambassador. Anything else? Promoting. That would be part of it. Here's a dictionary definition. might give you some idea. Hopefully you would not be expecting fancy dinners and Ferrero Rocher. (laughs) Representing. A message. That's a big part of being an ambassador. So as we look at uh, today's passage, 2 Corinthians 5, 11 to 20, really honing in on verses 19 to 20. This is what I'm hoping to achieve. You can tell me afterwards whether we achieved it or not. Um, By the end of it, I hope we'll have seen that all Christians are Christ's ambassadors. We'll also see the key task for Christ's ambassadors is to tell the gospel. And actually being an effective ambassador requires knowledge, wisdom and character. So I'm really hoping you're going to be convinced if you're a Christian, this is a role for you. But also give you some helpful direction on how you can best fulfil that role and do it in a way that brings glory to God. And I have another prayer too, is that actually I would encourage you to be confident ambassadors for Christ. People who are ready, willing and able to tell the gospel at every opportunity. Uh, Now some of you might be ambassadors already without even thinking of yourselves in that way. Do you belong to a club or an organisation? Do you tell people about it? Do you encourage others to join? Well if that is you, if you answered yes to those questions, actually you are already an ambassador for whatever group or club that is. Uh, so for myself, I play football for kind of a town veterans, and when I meet somebody else who's a veteran, over 35, interested in football, I would encourage them to consider joining. I'm a trustee for Christian Camps in Wales, and I'm constantly trying to encourage young people to come along, and adults to come and serve, because I'm an ambassador for those things. So that might already be the case for you, whether you think of yourself as an ambassador or not. But the question today is, do you think of yourself as Christ's ambassador? Do you think of yourself that way? I think Paul is really clear. All Christians are Christ's ambassadors. So maybe the question shouldn't be, are you an ambassador for Christ, but how effective an ambassador are you? Selected quotes from the passage here that hopefully convince you Paul is saying this is for all believers. He's addressing all Christian readers of this letter. It's not something just for the leaders, people who've got special gifts. It is an everyone thing. All the people this letter was sent to and all the people who read it who call themselves Christians, this is something they're part of. We're all ambassadors. And if you need more convincing, it isn't just Paul who says that. Jesus said something very similar too when he gave the Great Commission in Matthew. It was for all his followers. 
when he spoke to them in Acts 1. It was for his followers, go and make disciples, go to the ends of the earth. That's for all Christians. So once you become a Christian, you are one of Christ's ambassadors. God doesn't put out an appeal for volunteers. It's not a special role the elders have to choose who's going to do it. It's for all of us as part of a package. I'm trying to think of an illustration. It's a bit like, I think, being in the armed forces. So can you imagine the UK, our government declares war on somebody, and the army decide, well, we'll go and ask the soldiers who fancies going to fight. It would be really odd. I mean, I'm sure soldiers don't enjoy putting their life at risk, and they'd rather there was peace. But they know if there's a war, they're going to be the ones sent to fight on our behalf. It's part of the package. The, the army doesn't ask for volunteers. If you've signed up to be a soldier, you are going to fight if necessary. If you are a Christian, you are Christ's ambassador. Here's the challenge. If you haven't been thinking of yourself in that way, and you think, well, I haven't actually been behaving as though I'm an ambassador of Christ, it just means you've been an ineffective one so far. If we did a, an annual review and we got out the job description, you probably would find there's lots of areas for improvements. So we need to think of ourselves as Christ's ambassadors. And if we are his ambassadors, what does that mean we are to be doing? What does it mean to be Christ's ambassadors? How do we fulfill that role? How can we do it to the best of our ability, to the glory of God? I think every ambassador, Christ's ambassadors, sports ambassadors, British ambassadors, you're an ambassador, like we said earlier, representing. So you represent a nation or an organisation or a group to another organisation, nation or a group. You're standing between two parties, trying to build a positive, healthy relationship so that you can communicate a message. Fundamentally, that's what ambassadors are to do. So for us as Christ ambassadors, Paul has told us what our main task is. Persuade others. A ministry of reconciliation. A message of reconciliation. God is making his appeal through us. A shorter way to say what that is, our main task is to tell the gospel. As Christ ambassadors, the task we're given is to tell the gospel, let people know what it means to be reconciled to God and how that's possible. And I think, when I think about telling the gospel, evangelism, whatever phrase you use, I find it really helpful to remember that the Bible often refers to it in agricultural terms. I'm not much of a gardener, I'm certainly not a farmer, but I find it helpful. Because there are different stages involved. Um, you have sowing, and you have reaping, the two ends, but there are various things that happen along the way. So an ambassador for Christ is not expected to reap every time they have a conversation about God. So I think that could be a barrier sometimes, that we feel, if I'm going to share the gospel, that person's got to be a Christian by the end of that talk. That isn't how the Bible describes it. Uh, maybe we have to do some sowing and watering first before the reaping happens. And I think things like, we may not reap the person, may not make a declaration of faith, but if you've sown a seed and made the person think a little bit more about the Christian faith, or if they come back and ask questions, you're making progress. That kind of agricultural picture, something is growing and developing. 
But I think we need to remember we have to be telling the gospel for people to come to faith, even if it doesn't happen every time. It's very clear, as it says in Romans 10, 13 to 15, just one bit of it, how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? It's only in very rare circumstances where people come to faith in Jesus without somebody telling them about who Jesus is and explaining the gospel. That is God's ordained way for things to be. But again, if we have those agricultural analogies in mind that sowing, watering, reaping, hopefully that gives us the right expectations. So here's, I've got a packet of, did anyone else take part in this? It's a few years ago now, a packet of carrot seeds. The BBC ran a project called Dig In. You can send off, get a free packet of seeds and grow your own carrots, in my case, whatever different ones they offered. When the BBC sent me this packet, did it guarantee I was going to get a crop of carrots? Hopefully, pretty obvious not, because I have a packet of seeds and not a crop of carrots. Uh, they're still in the packet. So having the seeds is not enough. I think for us, having the gospel is not enough. There's more that needs to be done. God wants us to do more with that, just as I should have done more with these. Sort of opened the packet, planted them, looked after them, made sure it was good soil, watered them, maybe some compost, some weeding, and eventually I may have had some carrots grow to eat and enjoy. There was potential there, but without some effort and work, without some sowing, watering and reaping, I'm never going to have any carrots. If we have the gospel and we just hold on to it for ourselves, we are never, ever going to reap a harvest of souls. God expects us to be sowing the gospel, watering it, and in time there will be a reaping. But if we just hold on to it and do nothing with it, that's never going to happen. Never going to happen. You might be there thinking, but that isn't for me. Maybe your excuse is you're quite a new Christian, maybe you don't know enough. It doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian, we all have something to share. Even if it's only what people have shared with you. So if you are a Christian, I presume at some point somebody told you about Jesus. Somebody explained what Jesus had done and what that meant and how you could come to faith in Christ. So even if you just pass that on to other people, you are telling the gospel. You're sowing gospel seeds. The very least you can do is tell other people what you've been told. And I think even in today's passage, Paul, who we, we read various letters that he writes, and there's some really deep theology that's hard to understand at times, but in this letter he's explained the gospel in very simple terms. You don't have to be a theologian, top theologian, to be able to tell the gospel. Particularly verse 21, one sentence that captures the whole of the gospel. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. The gospel is not complicated. It doesn't matter how intelligent you are, how much training you've had. If you can talk about Jesus, you can tell the gospel. Slight aside, if you're here and you're not a Christian, actually what I'd rather you were doing is thinking more about the message of the gospel than the command to tell the gospel. We've sung about it in the songs, particularly it's there in the passage. If you're not a Christian, you can be reconciled to God. 
And so I implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. It is the best decision you will ever make. So if you're not a Christian, think more about the gospel and what it says than telling other people. But I don't want to be um, dishonest with you. It is something people can find nerve-wracking, scary, be fearful about. So here's one resource that might help you if it's something you're nervous about. Two ways to live. A really, really simple explanation of the gospel. And you can get it in a booklet, or you can get it online, or you can, I think you can even get an app for your phone. So you've always got something to hand if the opportunity arises to help you guide somebody through the gospel. So you, you don't even have to do it just on what you can remember. You can have resources that will help you. I think another way we can sow gospel seeds and tell the gospel is just to talk about our experiences of God and what God is doing in our lives. Things we can include in everyday conversation. How many of you are open with your family, schoolmates, work colleagues that you even go to church and are even a Christian? Just tell people. Just tell people. We have a lot of shared experiences that Paul reminds us of. Hopefully, if you're a Christian, you've experienced Christ's love. You recognise you've become a new creation. And you know you've been reconciled to God. Those are some things we all share as Christians' experiences, and we can tell others about those our story of our journey to faith will be different. We all have a different testimony, but that's something else you can share with people. And like I shared with you about God answering prayers, I'm quite happy to tell non-Christians that, because they need to know God is at work, God is alive and active and real. I remember when I first became a Christian, um, I was 18, I'd stopped drinking alcohol. I'd been drinking quite a bit before that, even though you're not supposed to. Um, that wasn't a theological thing. I'm not... I would drink alcohol now. That's not a problem. Um, I just didn't really want to anymore. And I didn't do it deliberately to be different or stand out. But it did make me different and stand out. Um, and when I look back, I think God just did that because it gave me an opportunity to tell people why I wasn't doing it anymore. And tell them what God had changed in me and what God had done in my life and why I was now living differently. So whatever God has done in your life, that's something you can tell to others. You can just talk about God and Jesus. Again, if you're not sure where to start, if you're not sure how you can weave that into everyday conversations, I think a great book you could read to you that, Out of the Short Salt Shaker and Into the World, just how you can weave conversations about God into your everyday life and how you can be looking for opportunities to say something about Jesus. So, man, how long have you been a Christian? How uh, educated do you think you are? How much Christian teaching you've had? You should be able to tell people the gospel and something of your own experience of God. As Christ's ambassadors, our key task, the one we've all been given, is to tell the gospel. But how are we going to be as effective as we can be in that? I think there are three areas. I think all ambassadors, again, if you, even ambassadors for other things, not just Christ's ambassadors, knowledge. 
A good ambassador will be thoroughly acquainted with who or what they represent, knowing their intentions, plans and purposes, and they'll be clear on the message they've been given. They'll have the knowledge they need for the task. But they also need wisdom. What's the best way to communicate their message in the context they're working? They might need to learn a new language or some new culture and customs. They need to be able to build good working relationships. They need to listen well and get to know the other side. They need to have the the wisdom to execute their task effectively. And character. The ambassador is the package the knowledge and wisdom comes in. So I think ambassadors have to be credible and trustworthy. Behave in a way that strengthens relationships and doesn't disqualify the message they've been sent with. So we need to have the character that will make us successful in our task. What does that look like for Christians? I think Paul assumes there's some knowledge we do have. We know what it is to fear the Lord. As I said, we've experienced Christ's love. We're convinced one died for all. We're convinced of the gospel. We've had the experience of being reconciled to God. So two types of knowledge, I think. Uh, Intellectual knowledge. We know about God. We know about Jesus. We know about the gospel. But also relational and experiential knowledge. We know God intimately, the one who has reconciled us to himself. I said earlier, imagine you were asked to be an ambassador for KCC. What would you be expected to do? Well, slightly different. Imagine we wanted KCC ambassadors and I just headed on down to the fair at the bottom of the field and just picked five people at random and said, I'd like you to be ambassadors for KCC, Kenilworth Community Church. How good a job do you think they would do? How effective do you think they would be? Do we really think if we just chose five people at random, we would have more and more people turning up to our services? Probably not. They're not going to be very good ambassadors if they know nothing about us and have no meaningful relationship with us. An ambassador needs that knowledge, the relational knowledge and the intellectual knowledge about the thing they represent. And so only people who know Jesus and who know Jesus personally can be his ambassadors. But I would encourage you, it isn't just a one-off training session, all you need to know to be a great ambassador for Jesus. Actually, knowledge is something we gain over a lifetime. We're disciples, lifelong learners. Hopefully learning more and more about the gospel, about Jesus, and drawn ever more closely into the love of the Trinity. Which could sound like it contradicts what I said earlier, we're all ambassadors. But we can all be ambassadors, but we can be better ambassadors as we get more knowledge. So we can uh, grow in our faith. I think that's something we should be doing anyway, but it will really help us be fantastic ambassadors. We are encouraged not just to rely on our foundational knowledge, the first knowledge we had of the gospel that brought us to faith. We're encouraged to grow in our maturity. So grow in our intellectual knowledge. So things like Bible study, listening to preaching and teaching and reading Christian books but also grow in our relational knowledge. When we do Bible study, being reflective and meditative, working in partnership with God, seeing God at work in others and through prayer. 
And so we want to mature in our faith and grow in our knowledge for our own good as disciples, as followers of Jesus. And it's part of the joy we have as Christians to know God more deeply, but it will also make us better ambassadors. And actually, this work of an ambassador is all of God's. It's God who works in us. God has made himself known to us and reconciled us to himself. It's God who gives us the message to proclaim. God gives us the knowledge we need to be effective ambassadors. But we also need wisdom. Hopefully, hopefully, you know we're not just telling the gospel to each other. I think that's a good thing to do, to remind ourselves of the gospel, to be encouraged by the gospel. But being an ambassador doesn't mean we tell it to each other. If you've already been reconciled to God, what purpose would there be in me imploring you to be reconciled to God? Ambassadors go out and represent God and proclaim his message to a world that doesn't yet know him. I think it's helpful to remember we are foreigners or aliens in this world. That's why we need wisdom. How can we connect with a world that doesn't know Jesus? How can we communicate this message in a way that they would understand? Their culture and values so often seem so different. Even in Kenilworth, where we share so many things in common, there's still a different culture, different worldviews, different ways people interpret the world. Um, different language. We can all speak English, but I find more and more non-Christians use language to mean different things to what we mean. And all of that means there will be barriers, there will be obstacles to overcome, challenges to forming good relationships with the people around us, challenges to get people to accept the gospel. And in my experience, there are even challenges just to get them to listen to the gospel and take time to think about it. So we can have all the knowledge possible about God and his gospel, but without wisdom, we will never share it in any meaningful way. I think, as Christ's ambassadors, the onus is on us to be intentional about that. We can't wait for the world to come to us. They're really not interested, most of them. We have to go out to them. Just like one of the Queen's ambassadors goes to a foreign country. And so we need to be making the effort to learn about the culture of the people around us and making connections with the people around us. Knowing about them is not enough. We need to get out into the world. Have friendships, relationships with people beyond Kenworth Community Church, beyond our Christian circles. But a warning, I think the danger is we can then treat people as evangelism projects. We only have non-Christian friends so we can tell them the gospel. I really don't think that's what Jesus wants for us. We should invest in our relationships just because God has told us to love our neighbour. So just make time to get to know people. Non-Christian family, if you don't know them that well, make time to get to know them. Your neighbours, your work colleagues, your schoolmates, other members in any club you're part of. If you're parents, there might be other parents in the school playground you can get to know. Make connections. We also need wisdom to be prepared. If that opportunity comes up to tell the gospel and you're taken by surprise, you probably won't make the best of it. So be prepared. Know why you believe what you do. 
Again, read some good books to help you understand what the Bible teaches. Think about what you might say if somebody asks you a question, particularly if it's going to be a difficult question. What would you say if someone says to you, well, why are you a Christian? If you're not prepared, the thought of that probably terrifies you. If you are prepared, what a fantastic opportunity. Those two resources I shared would be a good place to start to help you prepare. And I think even more that, as we have more and more of these conversations, we can become even more prepared and start to think about tactics we use. And this can seem a little bit, like I said, like as a project, but just thinking, how can I steer conversations to keep them on track and fruitful? Thinking ahead, what kind of things do people say? What do they ask me? How can I steer that to a place where I can share something of what I believe? How can we graciously expose the problems in other people's views and opinions and beliefs. How can we respond when they ask us questions we don't actually know the answer to? I think if we have wise tactics, it really will help us move people in the direction of Jesus. It means we're ready for when those God conversations arise. So taking time to prepare ourselves, to intentionally get to know people, and to listen to them will give us the wisdom we need to execute our task effectively. Having knowledge and wisdom are essential, but having a godly, Christ-like character really matters too. A good ambassador will be credible and trustworthy. So it's the the package the message comes in. I'm I'm glad Lucy's not in here, because one of my things is I think we should wrap presents in old newspaper and magazines. I think wrapping paper is a bit of a waste of money because you take it off and throw it away. I haven't convinced her, apart from she's happy to do that for my presence, but for other people she's not convinced. And she's always saying the packaging does matter, and I always say it doesn't. For today I'm saying as ambassadors the packaging does matter, so I'm glad she's not here. She'd take that as admittance that she's right and I'm wrong, which is never true. Um, The packaging matters. Our character really does matter. I think there are two extremes as Christians we can go to. We can be so fearful that we'll offend people, we never say anything. But you need to think about how do people interpret your faith if that's the case? How credible is it if you never even talk about it? Or we go to the other extreme, we just say whatever we think, whether it offends anyone or not. I think the danger there is if we're known as people who are offensive, how trustworthy are we? Why would people trust us with sharing their thoughts and opinions if we're someone who's confrontational and offensive? So those are the two extremes. We need to be somewhere in the middle. I think it's helpful to remember the role of ambassador is a diplomatic role. But character matters. So what makes us credible? Often people say, do you practice what you preach? We're told the greatest commandments are to love God and love our neighbour. Is there evidence in your life that you're seeking to obey those commands? Do people see in you somebody who loves God? Do they see somebody who loves their neighbour? Are you somebody who's growing in the fruit of the Spirit? Are you a genuine disciple of Jesus, growing ever more like him? When we let the Holy Spirit work in us, that's what we become like. 
And the people around you will not fail to notice because that is so different to everyone else. So becoming more like Jesus will make us credible ambassadors. But what makes us trustworthy? I think, again, this is where it matters. We don't treat people like projects. If you genuinely care about someone and you listen to them and you love them and support them when they need it, they'll trust you. If we are quick to listen and slow to speak, people will trust us. If we genuinely invest in our relationships, we're trustworthy. If we avoid Christian jargon and actually talk in ways they understand, it's easier for them to trust us. I think if we're honest and tell them when we don't know an answer, or they've actually made a good point and we don't know how to counter it, we're trustworthy. People haven't just rejected the gospel, sometimes they've come to a different opinion and they've thought it through, and we need to respect that and acknowledge it. I think when we find ourselves in a position where we are faced with an argument we can't counter or we don't know an answer to a question, it's really good for us to say, I don't know. Because what you then need to do is go and find out the answer and come back to them, so you're increasing your knowledge. And hopefully it's shaping your character. And there are obvious things too. We should be people who keep our word. We should be people who respect privacy. So if somebody shares something with you, you're not a gossip. And it's clear we're not trying to manipulate people. So being a credible and trustworthy ambassador will mean we have the character we need to be successful in this task we've been given. So knowledge, wisdom, character. Hopefully, like I said, this is what I was aiming for. You can judge whether I've been successful in that or not. Hopefully you're convinced, if you are a Christian, you are Christ's ambassador. That the key task for that role is to tell the gospel. And if you're going to do it as well as you can, you need to think about your knowledge, wisdom and character. But I also want to encourage you to be really confident in that role. Not just, okay, if... God says in his word, I have to do it, I'll do it, but grudgingly, fearfully, with worry and doubts. I want you to be confident, ambassadors. doesn't mean don't fear telling the gospel. We all have that fear. Even Paul had that fear at times. And so my job is going in schools to teach young people what Christians believe, to tell them about Jesus. But it doesn't mean I'm okay in that situation, but when I have a friend who I've known for years who isn't a Christian and an opportunity comes up, sometimes I can be fearful and worried about how they would react. Worried, would it damage our friendship if I go too far? So we need more courage, because courage is not the absence of fear, but the refusal to give in to it. We need to overcome our fear of people, overcome our own fear of rejection, so that we can declare this message we've been given. Remembering it's for their good. So we need to be courageous. I think one way we can be more courageous is to remember we should fear God before or more than we fear people. Fear the Lord. But also we have the Spirit living within us, the Spirit of God. A Spirit that does not make us timid but gives us power. 
and boldness. Uh, and like Paul asked the Ephesians to pray for him, we can pray for ourselves and each other that God would help us overcome our fears and we would declare the gospel fearlessly. We need God's help. We need the Spirit in us. But actually, I think the one thing that will make you most confident is just to get on and do it. Um, as you apply yourself to growing in knowledge, wisdom and character... Your confidence will increase, but the more you tell the gospel, the easier it gets. Each time is just a little bit easier. So if you're feeling nervous about it, pick someone you think is going to be less offended than anybody else and give it a go. And actually, it probably will go all right. And you'll feel a little bit more confident next time. Yes, the gospel is offensive to some. We know that. And we also know it is foolishness to others. But there are people out there who are interested. God is at work, preparing hearts to hear his message. And we are the ones who need to declare it. So as you tell the gospel, you'll be hopefully pleasantly surprised and some people will want to find out more and will ask questions. So give it a go. And we should be confident because we're people who believe the gospel of Jesus. We believe the gospel is the power to save. And surely therefore we believe the most loving thing we can ever do for any other human being is to tell them the gospel. I think the main reason we should be confident is because it's all of God. It's all of God. We saw today in the passage it's a role we've been given by God. The message is from God. It's God speaking through us. It is God who reconciles. Actually, if we're pretty rubbish at being ambassadors, God will still use it. He's the one who reconciles himself to people. It's all a work of God from beginning to end. We have those promises of Jesus from the Great Commission and when he spoke to his disciples in Acts 1. He has all authority and it's with that authority that he sends us out. He promises to always be with us. And we're promised that the Holy Spirit will empower us for the task we've been given. And we have even more reason to be confident. If that isn't enough already, we have even more reason. We've already been told it is going to work. We've already been told what the end will look like. So you might be thinking, well, there's no point telling the gospel. Nobody wants to hear it. People don't want to become Christians. I'm afraid God has promised us that there will be a multitude that we are unable to count who will have said yes to Jesus when people told them the gospel. That should give us great confidence. God is going to use his word, his gospel, to grow his church. And when we're in heaven with Jesus, there will be a multitude that we cannot even begin to imagine. So we can be confident ambassadors because we already know our efforts are going to be successful. I used to think I'd retire at 50. That plan is not working out. I'm getting close to it and that's not going to work. And I think it's, that's probably a good lesson for me because as ambassadors our work is never finished. 
Whilst we stay in this world, there is work to be done. And we'll never know everything there is to know. We'll never have the wisdom of Solomon, let alone the wisdom of God. And we'll never have the character of Jesus. But there will always be more people to tell the gospel to. So we need to be working on our knowledge, wisdom and character so we're ready when those opportunities arise. Let's get to know God better. Let's get to know the gospel better and be better prepared to share it. Let's invest in our relationships and get to know the people around us. And continue to work in partnership with the Holy Spirit as God changes our character and makes us more like Jesus. There could be no greater privilege for any human being than to be Christ's ambassadors. I'm pretty sure for any of you, if the Queen turned up and asked you personally to be her ambassador somewhere in the world, you would think it was a massive honour and a real privilege and you would jump at the chance. Well, we've got even better. We've got the creator of the universe asking us to be his ambassadors. The one who's sovereign over all things, the great and holy almighty God has appointed us to be his ambassadors to the world. There is no greater privilege. I think it would be helpful, I'm going to close with the words of Jesus for his ambassadors. Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So as we go back out to face another week, ready, I hope, encouraged and confident to carry out this holy and privileged task of being Christ's ambassadors, telling the gospel to the world, praying that more people will become disciples of Jesus and his ambassadors. We should know that Jesus is with us every step of the way. I'm going to pray for us uh, and then we'll sing together again. Lord, we thank you that we are people who have been reconciled to you. And anything you ask of us is based first and foremost on that relationship. Because we've experienced your love through Jesus. And so we ask that you would give us greater confidence, greater boldness to overcome our fears. And be ready and willing to tell the gospel wherever and whenever we have opportunity. And we pray that you would surprise us by bringing more people into your kingdom. That this place will be bursting at the seams with people who know and love Jesus as Lord and Saviour. And would you do all of that, not for us, but for your own glory. Amen.